Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Well, I'm excited you're here. If you, uh, who was here last week for a four-year anniversary? Wasn't it an amazing week? I don't know if you saw, but God was so kind. Our, our new album went to number two on the charts. Isn't that crazy? A brand new church. And we were, we were running in front of Chris Tomlin for a little bit. I mean, I'd be the guy, if I ever ran in like an Olympic race, I'm like, it could be a 30-mile race. I'm just going to be out front for like 10 seconds. Just to be able to say I was in front of everybody there for a little bit. Right out of the starting gate, just give it everything I got, then walk the end. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so proud of the musicians, David Mel, the whole team. Just phenomenal job. But uh, man, excited you're here today. If you're brand new to our church, my name is Mark. What's your name? There you are. I heard Shep. Come on, Shep. Um, you know you're going to be in ministry when your name's Shepherd Branch. <laughs> this kid will serve the Lord. <laughs> um, I'm excited, man. Uh, going to be special special Sunday if you're tuning in online right now. We're so glad you're here. Can we give an, a big hand clap to our online family? I'm grateful for technology. I would say watching online is the best thing you can do if you're not in the tents. But if you're in the tents, come on, we're living the good life in here. If you're brand new today, again, I'm so glad you're here. If you're, uh, if you're visiting, you're kind of, what's, what's expect today? Uh, we open up the Bible every week at Oceans. We believe that God's predominant way of speaking to humanity is through his word. And I know some people have been bored to death through the Bible, but I would, uh, I would argue that it wasn't the Bible's fault. It was the person that was teaching it. The Bible's actually not a boring book. There's people that have bored the world with the greatest news ever given. I don't want to be one of those preachers today. Can I, can I get an amen? So I'll do my very best to just kind of give some energy. I like to throw a little humor in there uh, just to make sure you're paying attention. Uh, and I want to let you know if you, you get bored today, you're a boring person. Because I'm not a boring preacher. Uh, and if you have your Bible, we're going to open up to John chapter 4. If you've been a, a believer for any duration of time, this might be familiar ground. But I, I've actually taught on this probably two times in the history of our church uh, I'm not really going to exegete it in depth like I have in the past. Uh, God kind of gave me one focal mission today as I looked at John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look at this passage with the lens uh, looking at what worship is. Say with me, worship. Now, I know worship's kind of a Christian word. It's a church word. It's a religious word. It has a lot of baggage associated with it. People talk about worshiping and worshipers, and you kind of you clump that into, like, cults, and you kind of clump that into, like, he worships sports, and she worships media, and he worships the stock market, and everybody's worshiping something. And uh, we're starting a series today called As We Praise. And it was the name of our new album. Believe it or not, one of the hardest things on our new album was figuring out what do we call it. Because yeah. every track on there was a banger. Can I get an amen? Yeah. wasn't like most albums that you have like one hit and three, you know, five duds. It was like every song was, was anointed. Yeah. And every song sounded like a title track, like, like Wonders. That's a great name for an album. Yeah. Uh, neighborhoods to Nations, great name for an album. But we realized, and we were in the meeting... And I remember the Lord just said, you know what? We, we see wonders and we impact neighborhoods to nations as we praise. And I really felt prophetically that God gave us music that would unlock what he's going to do in our movement, in our city, in our church as we, as we praise. 
Some miracles happen with God as we worship God. What I have found is that there has been people in good situations that worshiped in the Bible, and there was people in the Bible with terrible circumstances that worshiped. What I have found about the terrible circumstances is no one that worshiped uh, ever stayed in their situations that were negative for very long. Even Job, when he chose to worship, when he lost everything, ended up getting more in the end of his life than the beginning of his life. God gave him twice the cattle, twice the livestock, twice the money, and he gave him the same amount of kids. People say, well, he didn't give him double the kids. He actually did because all of his kids would live forever. So in heaven, he had double the kids. So this is not my message. It's like like little pastries around the enchiladas. You guys with me? Um, Javier's like that green sauce. You know what I'm talking about? What's that called? It's called money. Expensive sauce. If you got your Bibles, John chapter 4, I'm going to read a handful of verses. And again, my, my uh, focus today is a little bit different than normal. Uh, the woman at the well is a very familiar story. It's a Samaritan woman. We know this is a racially charged passage that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Samaritans were a mixed race in 727 BC. There was 10 northern tribes that basically got uh, intermarried. And so the Jews returned and there was like this racial divide. There was a social divide between men and women. And then there was a social economic divide. This woman's like not just a Samaritan woman. She's been married five times. She's living with number six. This is not, this is not a healthy, probably vibrant woman. This is probably one of the broken women of society. So it's pretty loaded. This whole passage is, say it with me, loaded. And uh, it's interesting because out of all the New Testament, my, my studies, we have no other place in the Bible that Jesus takes as much time, as much energy to actually teach on the subject of worship than to a woman who's at a well at noon. Pretty wild. And so I'm going to focus a little bit more on that today. I heard a comedian say that uh, it's kind of rough for this woman that she's known forever as the woman at the well. It's like she had a name probably. He's like, aren't you grateful that you weren't like bumping into Jesus at the bathroom? And you were known forever as the man at the urinal. You know what I mean? I'm grateful. Come on. We'll keep going. That's just a little side thought. Got your Bible. John chapter 4, in uh, verse 4, it says, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Say it with me, needed. He needed to because he wanted to meet with this lady. He knew she was going to be there. This lady was important to Jesus. Not only was she important to meet with, she was important to educate. Not only was she important to educate, I think Jesus thought to himself, you know what? You know who needs to have a revelation of the power of worship? A woman like this. You guys ready to go today? So some of you are like, well, I don't believe in worship. Well, you do even if you don't. Because everybody worships something. Worship is something that we are all made to do. Every human being is like a musical instrument. You know, musical instruments work with wind and they work with touch. And guess what? God, out of all of creation, he breathed into you. And out of everything that he made, he made with his words, except us, he touched us. Out of the dust of, are you hearing me today? It was out of the dust of the ground that God formed us and he breathed into us. Do you know that you and I are instruments of worship? Some of you, all you worship is the NFL. Some of you, all you worship is the stock market or your checking account, your trips. We all worship something. Some of you worship your marriage. Some of you worship sex. Some of you, listen, everyone worships something. 
And I'll tell you that you will become what you worship. You will always become like what you, I better get in my message here today, but John four, you guys ready? Spilling the beans. Come on save something. Here we go. John four verse, uh, verse four. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near the plot of ground near Jacob's, uh, son, uh, his well, Joseph and Jacob's well was there. Jesus uh, was worn out from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, about noon. A woman of Samaria came near to drink and to draw water. Jesus said, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. The woman of Samaria said, how in the world is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him for some water and he would have given you living water the woman says you have nothing to draw with you don't even have a bucket this well is deep where would you get such living water are you greater than our father jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock jesus answered and said whoever drinks this well water is going to get thirsty again but whoever drinks of the water that i give him will never thirst But the water that I give will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman's like, sir, give me some of that water that I might not thirst and not have to come here and draw. And here's where it gets really awkward. She's really talkative and talky-talky. And then he's like, okay, go get your husband. That's one of those awkward verses in the Bible. I encourage you not to go into these kind of situations unless your name is Jesus. Is that all right? So he's like, oh, yeah, go get your husband. And she's like, oh, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes, you're actually, you answer that really well. You have no husband for you. You've actually had five husbands. And the one that you're with now isn't your husband. In that, watch this part, you spoke truly. I believe that this is where worship begins to start unfolding. And worship revelation to a broken woman began with honesty. It began with honesty. Many of God's people never experience true worship because they never get honest with God. You answered, watch what he says, truly. And uh, the woman's like, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. It's pretty accurate, right? Like if someone is like, yeah, you've been married three times, divorced three times, you're with number four, you know, like you'd be like, oh, you must be a little bit prophetic. And he's like, um, yeah. And so... She's like, this is the funny part about being a pastor on airplanes and stuff. It's always that awkward moment when people are just dropping bombs and talking to you, trying to impress you with their vulgar language and their bad habits. And then they, then they always, I, they do it to themselves. They always look at me and they go, oh, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, buckle up. I'm a pastor, you know, New Testament priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Just mess with them. And, and it, they always do the same thing. Same thing as the woman at the well. They get hyper-spiritual right away. Praise the Lord! I knew I sensed the spirit. And right away, they get hyper-spooky spiritual, and that's exactly what this girl does. She's like, oh, I perceive that you're a prophet. Praise God. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. The Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. She's like wanting to talk about religious stuff now. She's like, woman, believe me. And by the way, I want to encourage you, never call a female a woman unless your name is Jesus. Doesn't, doesn't bode well. This woman, the hour is coming when the 
you won't either on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You know, uh, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Come on, 2022. And now is when the true worshipers. Listen to me. If there's true worshipers, that also has to insinuate that there is false worshipers. True worshipers will be those that actually worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I would go on the record to say then false worship would be worshiping in the flesh and in lies. Spirit and in truth. For the Father, watch what he says. The Father, God the Father, is not seeking money, fame, accolades, or good-looking people. He is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship, must worship, must worship. Here's how we worship. In spirit and in truth. She's like, the Messiah is going to come one day. He's going to tell us a bunch of stuff. He's like, that's me. Summarize. Mark Francis paraphrase. She ends up leaving her water pots. She forgot why she came to the well. Whenever you have a real encounter with God, you'll almost forget what you were looking for. So captivated by, oh my, I got it. She goes back into her town of sick car and she actually leads the city into a revival. She tells the men of that city, which by the way is a big deal because women didn't talk to men. Most rabbis wouldn't even talk to their moms and their sisters in public. This is like a, a wild culture, but God would actually weaponize a woman with a, with a colorful past that obviously wasn't scared of men. She was married to four of them to actually redeem what she used for darkness. God flipped it right side up and turned this woman into a revivalist. City came out and the whole city was transformed. Love this story. Love this story. Let's pray. I want to talk to you today about big solutions. Big solutions. You guys ready? Got about 25 minutes to just talk to you today. I'm going to share a couple stories. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you uh, really four uh, big ideas of what I believe we're going to be as a worshiping church. You guys ready? Who's ready to go? Father, we love you. We thank you for the cool breeze. We ask you to meet us here today. Brought in our understanding of worship. Take us deeper than we've been. Take us higher than we've been. Help us to see more of you than we've ever seen. I ask you, Lord, that you give us your grace, your anointing, that you would flow and move. We thank you for what you're doing in Ocean's Church. We thank you for what you're doing in California. We thank you that the best days of your bride are still ahead of us. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe it, come on, shout amen. 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 Appreciate the golf clap. Come on, give God a good hand clap today. I shared this with you. I wasn't like a huge fan of school growing up. I went more for the social benefits. Only awards ever won was class clown. Don't hate on me, teachers. You got a class clown in your, t in your classroom. Maybe one day he'll be your pastor. Come on. Never know. God's got a sense of humor. I didn't like doing book reports, but uh, now I do one every week. God's got a sense of humor. I, I like basic math. Anybody like math? Who's any math people in here? I feel like I kind of had a seven-way tie for my least favorite subjects. you get that one later. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, I actually love math. I, I love basic math growing up, love addition, multiplication, long division. I liked math until the devil said, let's put the alphabet in it. Can we agree on that? It's like, you better get out of here with your little alphabet stuff. I don't need no A and B in my seven plus seven. Come on. 
And I love, I love basic math. And we get into complex math. And so I started learning. I, I, I didn't take algebra two, but I did take algebra one two times. <laughs> Praise God. But my daughter, she's in ninth grade. She's taking math now. And uh, it's funny. Nowadays, they're doing like new math. They have a new math, old math. I'm like, why is there new math? What was wrong with old math? Why are you trying to mess people up? Like I learned a certain way and like looking at some of her stuff, I'm like, yeah, I can do that, but not the way your teacher's asking. And I'm like, I'm finding like some of the, 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 the problems, like we're going to get to the same solution, but the new math and the old math, we're taking totally different directions. It's almost like someone's like, I want to come into your living room. It's like, okay. And you open the front door and you're like, yeah, you want to come in? Yeah. Come on in. And as they get ready to walk in, you're like, no, not that way. You see the fence over here? I want you to jump over that fence. I actually want you to army crawl through the yard. There's a doggy door in the back, okay? You fit through that doggy door, you walk through my kitchen, through my formal dining room, we'll meet right here. I'm like, that's pretty much what this new system is. Is I'm like, we're getting to the same answer, but it's like the teachers ask you, show your work. Show your work. I'm like, I don't want to show my work. I want to type it in the calculator. That's what I want to do. I'm going to show you the answer. But we talk about the answer. We're going to meet in the living room. We'll save the charades. I was thinking about this idea about, about solutions, saving big problems. I want to talk to you today a little bit because I think that the reason why God made us and gave us worship and the capabilities of worship, because he knew there would be problems in this life, and there would be things that we would enjoy in eternity that would only be accessed through worship. Through worship. I actually think that worship is probably one of the most significant parts of who you are. We all worship. You, you, you become, in a lot of ways, what you begin to worship. One of my mentors said this. He goes, you know, you will actually worship what you fear the most. You will worship what you fear the most. I can prove it to you. The children of Israel, they built a golden calf. When Moses was on the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments. Aaron lost his mind. That's another story. But that's why you need to have a personal encounter. Aaron only knew, only knew God through Moses. Moses had a burning bush moment. And if you don't have your own encounter, when the people and the crowd try to get you to worship what they want to worship, if you don't have your own conviction, you'll go with what the crowd wants to do. And know what the crowd wanted to do. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to make a gold idol. What was the idol of? Ladies and gentlemen, the idol was not some huge, monstrous butterfly. It wasn't a bumblebee. You know what they made? A gold cow. You know why they made a gold calf? Because their greatest fear was starving to death. And you will always end up worshiping what you fear the most. Some of you don't worship in church because you fear man more than you fear God. You are more concerned with what the girl sitting next to you or the guy sitting behind you or what your parents would think about you or what your grandkids would think about you. If you would begin to express your worship to God, your fear of man is actually stealing your worship of God. Get quiet for the Presbyterian church. I'm going to keep preaching though. I've learned long ago, I don't preach to, to faces, I preach to hearts. And I'm telling you right now, you know what you need? You need to have a greater revelation of God. You know where you get that? It's in worship. I would go on the record to say that your worship reveals your relationship. 
Jesus said, he who's forgiven little worships little. You want to worship big? Realize how much God has done for you. Some of you don't sing like, you don't have any pep in your step, no, no sauce in your jar, no gas in your tank, no air in your tires. I'll go all day. I'll wear you out with annoying little idioms. You, you, don't, you, have it, you know what? Because you've never had a personal revelation of worship. You know what worship is? Greatest definition I've heard of worship. It's love expressed. It's love expressed. When you worship sports, you, you buy a jersey, you go to a game, you paint your face. You look like William Wallace on the sidelines. Shouting, freedom! Why are you losing your mind? Because you're expressing. I'm not, look, I'm not hating on sports. I love sports. I love going to a comedy show. I love, I love watching a good movie. But listen to me. The problem is, is when we give our highest honor to something that's not God. This is where we get in trouble. Because one of the definitions of pure worship is that worship that's true and pure is exclusive. What does it mean? It means that you can't worship God with all your heart if you're worshiping idols at the same time. An element of worship is when you give God permission to remove the idols. That's why the righteous kings of Israel, of Judah, you know what they did? They removed the high places. They removed the bales, the Asherah poles. They got rid of what was false and restored what was true. What makes true worshipers true worshipers is they give God permission to remove and to dethrone the idols. And most North American Christians, we like our idols. We like the things that we like that are sitting in God's seat. That's all an idol is. Idols aren't bad by themselves normally. You can make an idol out of your marriage. You can make an idol out of your kids. You can make an idol out of your job. None of that stuff's bad by itself, but when it's sitting in God's seat. Whenever you love that more than you love God. Are you hearing me today? And most people don't realize this, that you will become like what you worship the most. You will, you will, you will worship what you fear the most. Are you still with me today? And worship at its greatest definition is actually just expressing love. I would say that if you don't express your love, it's not worship. Worship can't be silent. It can't be nonverbal, non-movement. True worship actually begins to be expressed. Are you hearing me today? Kind of like your spouse, like, look, I love you today, forever, for better or for worse. I was in San Luis Obispo last night. Got home at like midnight last night, did a wedding. And I'm literally there. We officiate this ceremony for my friend. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if, if my buddy Cole, for the rest of his marriage, the next 60 years, just said yesterday, hey, I love you. I'm never going to say it again. And I'm never going to show it again. But know this, that I do. How many ladies are sticking with that guy? Ah, if you love me, show me. If you love me, express it. This week is our 17-year anniversary. Praise God. 17 years. I got married young. And I surprised Rochelle. I got the girls involved with it. I bought her a present. And I went to the store. I got flowers. I put flowers and candles. I got the little, like, you know, those little candles. There's like a million of them in a package. And I went to the store. Come on, CVS. I printed pictures. I forgot you could do that. I was like, I should print pictures. I don't, I don't know how to do that. So I went to CVS. 
I printed pictures from the first year, our, from our very first picture we ever took together in front of my dad's Nissan Xterra that was orange. Come on. That picture all the way to modern day, the first church service, everything in between, and pictures of our, our babies when they were born. I did 17 pictures, one for every year. I put on every step. I bought six dozen roses and whatever else and refinanced my house. Come on, somebody. I didn't tell first services. I just need to get credit somewhere. Come on. But I'm, I, the only reason I'm sharing it right now is you know why? I love my wife more now than I did before. And I, I have to express that. Are you hearing me today? Love has to be expressed. You can give someone you don't love, you can give them money, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Lo are you hearing me today? Worship must be expressed. It has to be expressed. It's crazy. Worship is where, it's where his river begins to flow into us, and it, it's where it flows out of us. Worship is what we fear most. Worship is, is, this is powerful because you've got to think about this. God gave the greatest revelation of worship to a woman that was the most broken. Here's my thought. Why would God give such a big solution to a woman that has such big problems? I think in many ways the audience Jesus selected to give the greatest sermon in the history of sermons on worship revealed actually the power of what worship could do for someone's life. Worship had the power to solve the big problems of racial divides. Worship had the promise to solve the problems of, of gender divides. Worship was so big that it had a way of lining the crooked places. How crazy is that? God literally says to this woman at the well, you worship what you don't know. We know what we worship. The Father is searching for worshipers. Do you know that God, if you're taking notes, write this down. God is looking for worshipers. You know what touches his heart? Not money, not stuff, not things. Worship. And when worship becomes giving, it's worship. And when worship becomes telling someone Jesus loves them, that's worship. And when worship says, I want you to lead a small group, and you do it, that's worship. Worship can be spelt obedience. Do you know that in the Bible, are you still with me today? Do you know that in the Bible, the word worship and the word serve oftentimes are interchangeable? When God told Moses to, to, to call Pharaoh out, and he said, Pharaoh, let God's people go that they might serve me. On this mountain, the word serve is the word worship. God, in many ways, catch this, that God brought them out of slavery, needed them to understand worship before he could give them their promised land. And as I was praying this week, the Lord told me, he said, Mark, Oceans is going to another level of worship. Because you can't, you can't take dominion of your promised land until you know how to serve God on the mountaintop. That's why some of you, you're living for a career, but you're not, a, you're not living in your calling. That's why you're making money, but not making a difference. You, you're missing the purpose of life because you'll never occupy the promised land until you know how to serve God and worship. Well, I'm not really like that. I don't like worship. I'm not a singer. I'm not, I'm not a clapper. I'm, I'm not one of those Pentecostal people that's too excited in church. I don't like that loud stuff. I'm more introverted. Well, let me tell you two things. Number one, clapping and shouting and singing is not a charismatic idea. It's a Bible idea. Psalms 47.1 says, clap your hands, all you people. How many people? 
In the Hebrew, that word all is um, all. all. All you peoples, shout to God. Shout to God with a voice of shouting, clapping, singing. Psalms 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything? Everything. You know what's crazy is some of you are like, well, I, I, no, I, I don't need to worship. You already are. You're worshiping God directly or you're worshiping the devil indirectly. Because whenever we give our best to something that's not God, we're actually serving an idol. Idols are anything. Are you hearing me? This is too heavy today. I'm just trying to be honest with you that the truth is you were made to worship. You are most you in worship. You figure out what you're called to do in worship. You'll never know your land of promise until you know the mountain of worship. And if you don't fear God, you'll fear somebody else. You'll be scared of viruses. You'll live in fear to what people think about you. You'll live in fear to peer pressure. You'll bend to the crowd if you don't learn how to worship God. That's why it's so important to figure out, man, who is God? God gives a woman that's broken. The greatest revelation of true worship. He says true worship is powerful woman at the well. Worship will connect you to God. Worship will give you a glimpse of eternity. Do you know why I think he gave the woman at the well the greatest revelation of worship? Because people that are in pain need the hope of eternity the most. People in pain need a glimpse of eternity the most. People say, Mark, I only worship when my life is good. Why would Job worship God then? You ever thought about the story of Job? Job chapter 1, modern day. Knock at his door, it's the IRS. Your house is being ceased. Knock, as that guy's talking, the next guy shows up. Your cars are being uh, towed, repossessed. As he's talking, the guy from the IRS says, we're, we're ceasing all of your liquid checking account funds. As he's talking, someone else shows up and says, I just saw your kids. They were all in a car. They all just died. They're all dead. This guy has the worst day that anyone has ever had. You know what Job's response was? He fell to the ground. He tore his clothes. And he... How? How do you worship when life has nothing good to offer you? Worship isn't predicated upon circumstance. And here's what's crazy. Job worshiped and God redeemed his life. God gave him more in the end than he had in the beginning. Legion, the demon-possessed man had a terrible life. But he fell at the feet of Jesus and he worshiped. What does worship do? It has the power to change your circumstances. But why do you worship? Because Revelations 4 and 5 says there was a scroll that no, no living creature was worthy. There was a scroll. There is a scroll that no living created creature in all of time and eternity has ever been worthy to undo except the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelations chapter 5. Do you know why we worship? Not because life is good, but because we serve a God that is worthy of all adoration. 
all praise that he made everything out of nothing, that he didn't have to make you, but he did. And that's why you can't quit on life because you don't know what God's going to do in your future. People that commit suicide are actually giving up on the version of themselves they never met. God wants you to know that your future can be better than your past. And that's the power of worship unlocking. Are you hearing me today? The possibilities of life. That's what I'm telling you today. Worship will get you to places you can never take yourself. Remember this, David. Remember, remember David? David got an invitation in 1 Samuel 16, 16. They said, we need a man who knows how to play an instrument skillfully. Because there's an evil spirit on our king. And when that evil spirit attacks him, we need someone that knows how to bring in the presence of God through worship. And guess who he was? Listen to me. It wasn't David's slingshot that got him into the palace. It was his harp. I'm telling you, some of you think that you just need your slingshot in business to make great things happen in your life. You need more than a business slingshot. You need a worshiper's harp. I wish someone would give him 10 seconds of praise for a second. You're a worshiper. You know why you're empty with your mansion? Because you don't worship. You know why you got everything you ever wanted, but you don't feel fulfilled? Because you don't worship. Worship reveals who you really are. Worship exposes God. It exposes you. And what it does is it gives you this opportunity, number two, to be truthful. He tells the woman, how many husbands have you had? Hey, bring your husband. She goes, I don't have one. He's like, you're right. You're being honest. You've had five. And the one you're with now isn't your husband. In that, you answer truthfully. What's he going to say? Hey, anyone? And look, God's looking for him. He's looking for worshipers. But the ones he's looking for, true ones, they worship in spirit and in truth. Do you know why? I was praying this week. I had such a deep burden for you. Some of you have never encountered God in worship because you've never opened your heart to be truthful with him. It's as though you think God only sees the religious parts of your life. Like he doesn't see the darkness in your life. Like he doesn't see the doubts in your heart. As though God can't handle that part of you. I want you to know that you will have an accurate encounter with God when you're willing to worship him with full honesty. God, I'm broken right now. I'm frustrated right now. I'm confused right now. Lord, I'm lost right now. But I come to you with my honesty and my truth. Here's a secret. I Even as, as Meredith said, 2 Corinthians 3, it says this. It says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. You know what it says in the Bible? It says God dwells in the... He inhabits the praises of his people. And so where he is, there's freedom and liberty. And he shows up where he's worshipped. But you see the progression here. So if I worship him, he shows up. And if he shows up and I'm honest with him, I get free. Do you know why so many Christians in America go to church on Sundays, but they're in bondage six days a week? Because they worship without being honest. I'm honest to where I'm at right now. I'm not there yet, Lord. I'm being honest with you and be honest with people. God, get me to where you want me to go. 
And I'm telling you, there's a progression that when you begin to worship, you step into the truth. When you step into the truth, you begin to experience freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe that we live in an hour that the church needs freedom. The truth is, man, worship is so powerful. Worship was so powerful that when Hezekiah, a righteous king, was about to die, he literally prayed a prayer and he said, God, if I go down to the grave, who will praise you? And God's like, that's a good point. Give him 15 years. Stop the prophet in his tracks and go back in there. Tell him I'm on 15 years to his life. Because if he's in the dirt, I can't get that praise. God is looking. Are you hearing me today? God is thirsty for, his, for us to worship him. You know what it says in Romans? Lisa talked about it last week. You know when humanity turns in on themselves? When we stop worshiping God as Lord. When we start worshiping God in our, in our terms, I'll give God a little credit here, a little credit there, a little high five there, but I'm pretty much going to live for myself. That's where it talks about all the nasty sins that America is ridden with right now. It's when we stop giving God the glory through worship that belongs to him. Well, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I don't think you're an atheist. I think you're an agnostic. I actually don't think there's any real atheist. Because if you're really being honest and very, we're all being humble, true atheism is the idea that, that you know for sure there is no God. Agnostic means, gnosko is the Greek word for knowledge, and it means I don't know if there is a God. And I would argue and say that, that atheism is actually not accurate because if you were being honest, you would have to know everything about everything to know for certain there is no God. You would have to speak every language, understand all science, all math, all creation, all astrology. Are you hearing me today? You'd have to have, uh, you'd have, to have all knowledge to be able to definitively say, there is no God. But I would argue and say humbly, even the smartest human being alive, maybe generously, at best, knows 1% of everything. How many say that's pretty generous, Mark? But let's just say you are freakishly smart and you're an atheist. Let's say you know 1%. What about the 99% you don't know? Could God be in that space? If he could, I would say you're not an atheist. You're probably an agnostic. I just don't know yet. And here's what I would say as a pastor. If you could talk to someone that knows him, would you want to? I'm here. Would you let someone pray for you that knows him? I'm here to pray for you. I'm telling you, hear me. You were made to worship. You know what worship is uh, the opposite of worship? It's hiding from God. Genesis 3 at the fall. You guys, am I, is this too deep today? At the fall, Genesis 3, you know what they did? Is after they disobeyed God, fear came in. We were scared because we were naked and ashamed. We know that calories came in after the fall. Because before that, they were naked and not ashamed. Can I get a witness up in the church? But listen to me. The fall came in, and they hide from God. You know, in the first place we find worship in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 4. After Canaan killed his brother Abel, Adam and Eve had another son named Seth. Seth had a son named Enosh. Enosh, it says, in his days, people began to worship. Before, in, before then, in Genesis 4, 
Every time God spoke to somebody, he was asking a question. It wasn't until Genesis 4 and worship showed up that people initiated conversations with God. Still with me? Well, why do we need to worship? Because God made you to worship. Do you know why the devil hates you so much? Because he was over worship. Do you know Ezekiel 28 says that he was a beautiful creature, the most beautiful out of all of creation? And Lucifer had instruments. He had stringed instruments, wind instruments, pipes. He had percussion instruments all built inside of him. You guys still with me? Give me five minutes. You know what's crazy? He hates us because you are the only species on the earth that has a will, that has, that has wind instruments called the breath in your lungs, has chord instruments called your vocal, and a percussionary instrument that's like, And you know why the devil hates you? Because every time you and I praise God, it reminds him of what he lost. And I'm telling you, that's why we take ground when we worship. Because we actually evict him from the spaces and the places that he had dominion. That's why we're going to be a worshiping church. That's why we're going to be known as a worshiping movement. Because you show me a church that knows how to worship, and I'll show you free people. I'll show you people that are walking in the truth. I'll show you people that know how to live on mission. Grab a seat. I'll get you out of here in just a second. Then come up on the band. I'm almost finished. I believe that when worship really is expressed love, do you know what happens when you fall in love? If you're young here today, listen to me. When your friends grow up and they fall in love, before they get married, you're going to notice a couple things. They're going to fall in love, and the first thing that's going to happen to your friend is they're going to disappear. Okay? You're going to be used to seeing them all the time, talking to them all the time, and before you know it, you're going to be like, dude, what happened? What happened to Stevie? Stevie's gone. We don't know what happened to Stevie. And, and about four months after that, you're probably going to bump into Stevie maybe at like a, like a mall, and uh, you're going to see him outside of the mall holding his uh, girlfriend's purse. She's going to be in a store, and you're going to go up to Stevie and be like, Stevie, dude, what's, where you been? He's going to tell you two things. He's going to say, well, I fell in love, and I want to spend all my time with my girl. Because the first thing that happens when you fall in love is you want to spend all your time with them. You know what's crazy? When you fall in love and you can't be with them, you know what you do secondly? All you want to do is tell people about who you love. Oh, you got to meet her, man. She's incredible. She's inside right now. She's spending my money. But look, she's, she's incredible. She's worth it. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She's articulate. She's creative. She's funny. She loves God. Man, she prays like an angel. And she smiles. It lights up a room. And I just, I can't get enough. We're going to get married soon. And I'm saving money. And I'm working four jobs because I want to marry this girl. I want to wife this girl as fast as I can. When you fall in love, you do two things. You want to be with them nonstop, and you want to tell everybody. Here's what I believe. You know you're a true worshiper, not by you lifting a voice in church, lifting a hand in the tents. Listen to me. Worship, when it's fully developed, will actually send you out of the church and into the streets to witness. You hear me? Woman at the well, what does she do? She gets informed on worship. She gets a revelation. She gets honest. She gets free. And what happened after she got free? 
she hit the streets. Come see a man that told me everything. Ladies and gentlemen, if I was married and divorced five times and had a bunch of skeletons in my closet, I don't know if I'd be excited to go into the city and say, hey, go to the guy that told me everything. I'd be like, stay away from that guy. He knows everything. But here's what's so beautiful about the grace of Jesus. He knows everything, and you want to run to him still. You know what religion does? Religion makes you think that God knows everything and makes you scared to run to him. Because he knows everything and he's out to get you. But Jesus, here's what case in point, woman at the well, she said, he knows everything. Could he be the Christ? Come see. Come see. You see, I believe that true worship, it goes beyond expressed love. It steps into honesty and truth. And when you experience that, you start to get free. And when you get free, you start telling people. How many people go to this church because you invited them? How many people know that you're a believer because God's been good to you? Here's my conviction. If no one knows that you're a Christian, you're probably not. I say that in love. But real believers, they tell people. Real believers go, dude, I'll tell you where I found the bread. I was starving to death. I found bread. I was, I was literally, I was about to just give up on life, but I found the fountain of life. Real worship goes from singing and obeying and sacrificing and fearing God more than anything else to this level of honesty that gets you into freedom. And you get so dang free, you got to tell somebody, my gosh, this was good news. Come see a man. He knew everything, but he still loved me. And he gave me this key that gives me a glimpse of eternity called worship. You know, worship is, it's where God purifies us. It's where God renews us. It's where God fills us. I'm going to talk the next couple weeks. There's a powerful passage in uh, Kings about David goes, I don't know how to come out. Solomon says, I want to be a good king. Give me wisdom so I know how to go in and come out. He wasn't talking about opening up doors. He was going, I don't know how to lead the people into worship and out of worship. Into warfare and out of warfare. And I'll tell you, if you want to be a great leader, you got to know how to go in and come out of the presence of God. Would you stand your feet today? I feel something in here. Can we all agree that we're going to be a church that loves to worship? Can we all agree if we're going to be here, we're going to do it with truth? And can we agree we're going to be a, a free church? A free church. And the last thing I would tell us today is we're going to be a church that values mission. How many want to go to a church that's reaching the city? I love John 4 because it says, A broken woman with a revelation of worship turned the city upside down. What could God do in Orange County with broken people that have a revelation of worship? He could turn Orange County upside down. You close your eyes in this hot tent. Can I pray for you today? Holy Spirit, we invite you to meet us here. I pray whether this is our first time in church or we come every single week, that like the woman at the well, you would give us a revelation of what worship is. We want to know you deeper. We want to know you more than we've ever known you. So I ask you today, if we've never tried raising our hands, break off the spirit of fear. Fear of man, 
fear of not fitting in, fear of being an outcast, fear of being, being a little bit disruptive. God, let us check in our dignified, sophisticated brains. Lord, let us check in our sophisticated, successful careers and say just for a moment, God, I live, I live to worship you. All over the tents today, you'd say this, Mark. I should just pray this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you today to take me deeper, farther, higher in my knowledge of you than I've ever been. Teach me worship in Jesus' name. How many today would say, Mark, this message was for me? I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to, I don't want to just be sitting on the sidelines. I want to have a revelation of expressed love that leads to honesty and truth, that leads to freedom, that leads to mission. If that's you today, would you lift your hands all over the tents? I want to pray for you. Say, Mark, that's me. I'm going to be a worshiper. Come on, you want to be a worshiper? Right there, lift your hands real high. This might be your first time your whole life you raised your hands. This is not a method of Christianity. This is not a stream of Christianity. This is a Bible idea. I will lift up my hands. I will clap. I will shout to God with a voice of triumph. All over the tents, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to make me a worshiper. Make me a worshiper. Lead me into truth. Lead me into freedom. And use me to shine your light in a dark world in Jesus name now right now all over the tents we're going to sing in just a second before we do if you're here if you're here and need a touch from God physically you got a bad report maybe you're struggling with an addiction maybe you have a broken rib maybe you have a, a digestive issue maybe someone has a, a autoimmune disease a, a bug in your digestive tract God is here to heal today if you need a touch from heaven, whether it's physical healing, some sort of freedom and deliverance, I just want you to lift your hands right now. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hands up all over. Just keep it up. Or put both hands towards heaven. That's you. Close your eyes. If your hand isn't, is not up, I want you to open your eyes and find someone next to you and just put your hand on their shoulder. I would love it if everybody has a hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray for him right now. All over Oceans Church, would you pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, like you mean it. Say, Jesus, we invite you now by the power of your Holy Spirit to touch their body, mind, soul, spirit, body, from the top to the bottom, from the inside to the outside. Heal their heart. Heal their body, touch their mind, set them free. In Jesus' name, you said we'd lay hands on the sick and they would recover. So we pray your promise in Jesus' name. And if you receive that prayer, just say amen. Amen. We're going to sing in just a second. Sing just a second. Last thing we do before we sing this last song. If you're here, real quick, just close your eyes, bring it down just a little bit. If you're here today and you know that you have not been living to be a worshiper of God, 
And you go, you know what, Mark? I've been fearful of man. I've been fearful of failure. I've been fearful of fitting in. You know what I want to do today? Is I want to, I want to begin to fear God. I want to live to serve God. If you're here today and you say, Mark, for the first time, I want to invite God into my life. Or you say, I've been away from God for some time, and today I want to rededicate my walk, rededicate my faith. If I can renew my vows in marriage, I want to renew my vows with God. If that's you today, whether it's a first time decision or a recommitment, would you just do me a favor? Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hands all over the tents. I'll give you three seconds to do that. I'm going to count to three. Just go ahead and start lifting your hands. I want to give my life back to God. I want to put my faith in God. I'll give you three seconds. One, he's here. Two, he's here. Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts. Hands are going up right now. I love it. Three, real high. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Five, six, real high, real high, real high, real high. Keep it up. Six hands, seven hands, real high, real high. Keep it up. Eight hands, nine hands, 10 hands, 11 hands, 12 hands. 13, 14 hands. So good. At least, at least 14. If you're online right now, I would love it if you write heart, H-E-A-R-T, in our chat. And I believe that right now, whether you're on your computer or you're in the tents, today is the beginning of a new chapter of your life. Oceans, let's pray that prayer with all those that responded today by saying, Jesus, I invite you. Come on, like you mean, I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to wash me and make me clean. Today, I declare you are the God of my life. So lead me, redeem me, and guide me. From this day forward, I am your worshiper. From here out, your son, your daughter, your servant, in Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer. Come on, everybody said amen. We love to give you a Bible. We love to get you into a small group. We love to get you into a great church. It's called Oceans. Come on, somebody. Come on, give God a good hand clap. It's going to be a great month. Don't miss next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.